Praise the Lord, everybody. This is Pastor Fields here, and certainly, once again, as we say all the time, I'm really happy, glad, pleased, privileged, honored to be able to come into your homes, even your automobiles, to share the word of the Lord with you. Bible study, where the people of God come together to meditate, to learn, to receive a word from God. And certainly we have been enjoying this series. Let's talk about the church. And last week uh, we said it was going to be three parts, but uh, leading of the Lord, we decided to make a fourth part as we elaborate further on the body of Christ. Let's have prayer, shall we? While we're waiting for the saints to come in, I see some of the people of God are coming in now. Father, we bless your holy name and we're so grateful for another opportunity for us to come together as your people, as your children. Bless us as we go into your word, open up our understanding, touch our hearts, our minds, our souls. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. I see some more of the saints coming in. Now, as first stated, we... Uh, said it was going to be a three-part series. Let's talk about the church. And uh, we talked about uh, in the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, where Paul writes to the Ephesian church, and those three chapters, he's actually giving us a revelation, an analogy of, of the church. And we started in chapter three and worked our way backwards. Chapter three, he says the church is a mystery. Chapter two, he talks about the church as being a temple. And in chapter 1 is where we left off in uh, the third part of our series. The Apostle Paul speaks to us about the church as being the body of Christ. Certainly we've been enjoying ourselves. And um, as we know, uh, just to rehash, Paul wrote this book. Uh, and it is considered one of the mountain peaks of biblical revelation. Uh, he's not dealing so much with um, doctrinal issues or pastoral problems, uh, but the book is full of, and it's overflowing with revelation. And as you know, Paul had a very strong prayer life, and the Lord would reveal things to him, had a close relationship with the Lord, and the Lord would speak to him, about his church, the apostle to the Gentiles, and he's ministering to the people of God, talking to us about salvation. And we said we would talk a little bit more extensively about the third aspect, which was really the first aspect in chapter one, as forestated. Uh, but you get the feeling when you follow Paul and his writings. Uh, the epistles that he wrote to his other churches, whether it was, it was Colossians or Corinthians, <clears throat> excuse me, you get the feeling uh, that his favorite description of the church uh, is the metaphor of the head and the body. Remember, oftentimes in his other writings, he refers to the church as being the body of Christ. Uh, I, I really believe, and I'm sure other theologians and other Bible scholars, others that uh, pursue the word of God, 
would get the feeling that this is his favorite analogy of the church, uh, the body. Christ is the head uh, of the body, and we are his church. His church is his body. Now, remember, our anchor scripture has been uh, from last week, Ephesians 1, chapters 20 through 23. And I'll read them which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Verse 23 is that that uh, where we want to anchor ourselves this evening, which is his body, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all and all. Uh, you get the feeling when you follow the Apostle Paul that when he talks about the church using the analogy of the body and the head being Christ, perhaps this was his favorite uh, analogy. You see in Colossians, he writes, Colossians 1.18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Colossians 1 and 24, uh, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. My Lord, I can preach right from there. Colossians 2, 19, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. So here, uh, in talking to the Colossian congregation, he says, not only are we the body of Christ, but we are expected to grow and to mature. So uh, he uses the analogy of a human body to express or explain the function of the body of Christ. So in Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, uh, you've heard it before, but let me read it again. And have put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all and all. So let me take you further uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. Uh, you'll find these words, there is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. Verse 12 of chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And uh, verse 16, let's go down to verse 16, chapter 4 of Ephesians, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself 
in love. Now, that's a whole lot Paul is talking about, but he's giving us the feeling that we are the body of Christ. We have been fitly joined together and so fitly joined together that you can't grow without me growing because because we're helping one another, strengthening one another. Uh, this is Paul's analogy, and he's giving us a good one, giving us a deep revelation of the body from whom the whole body fitly joined together. Chapter 5, verse 30 of Ephesians. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. We are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. First Corinthians chapter 12, uh, he says to the Corinthian church in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, uh, and I won't read it all because it's a whole lot, verses 12 through 31 is where he explains where we're one body but many members, uh, and all the members of that body being many are one body. So also is Christ. So just like Christ is one body, there's only one body of Christ. So are we. When you get a chance in chapter 12 of First um, Corinthians, read through verses 12 through 31. But I will take you to Romans 12 and 5, where you'll find these words. Paul writes to the Roman church, so we being many are one body in Christ. There's a whole lot of us. There's a whole lot of people all over this world who have been brought into the body of Christ. Listen, don't let people make you feel like they're the only ones going to heaven. I've ran into brothers and sisters, yes, who are baptized in Jesus' name just like I am, speaking tongues just like I do, uh, but their pastor somehow has convinced them that ain't nobody going to heaven but this church. Only the people that listen to me are going to heaven. That's, that's a lie. I'm going to look you right in the face and say, don't listen to that. That is so much of a lie. There are many of us, many of us. Paul said, being many are one body in Christ. I'm, I may have expressed this before. I ran into one brother who came to me. I, I, was, I was preaching uh, and he came up to me after the service and said, uh, it looked like ain't nobody going to heaven uh, but us folk, but us. And I just looked at him. Uh, because, and I knew what church he came from. I'm, I'm not going to tell you who his pastor was, but he really believed that uh, only us, only his group. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I must admit, I was a little happy that he included me in his group, but I knew there's only about 10 to 15 members in his church. And I'm saying to myself, oh my goodness, you mean to tell me all that preparation and only 10 to 15 people are going to make it into heaven? I don't think so. Uh, I've got sheep uh, in other pastures. The Lord said, I've, I've got sheep you don't even know about. People you haven't even met yet, hallelujah, that have been brought into the body of Christ. Everyone members one of another. Romans 12 and 5. I'm going to read that one more time. We being many are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. Hallelujah. And we have gifts. That's in verse six. We have gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether it's prophecy, whether it's faith, whether it's ministry, 
the Lord has given us gifts as he sees fit. So let's dig deeper into the body, the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. He is the head. There's only one head. He is the head, but we are his body. Put it in the comment section. I'm a part of the body of Christ. Make it personal. Come on. Let me see it. I am a part of the body of Christ. So let's dig deeper into this illustration or analogy that the Apostle Paul gives us concerning the body of Christ. The body illustration. Uh, and he's dealing with the congregation at Corinth. Uh, and listen, at this time, this congregation was in shambles. They, I, I mean, they were in shambles. They were divided. Uh, one of their issues, uh, there was more than one time that he had to deal with them concerning their division. But one of the issues that they had, and I, I would say this particular time, it was creating division in the congregation, it was over miracles and gifts, miraculous gifts. They, they were using the gifts that God gave them as a, a reason for division and dissension. Um, listen, some members uh, thought speaking miraculously in, in an unknown tongue was more prestigious. You know how people do. I'm better than you because what I do is is much more valuable than what you do. So there were those who felt like uh, my gift is more prestigious than yours. Uh, some felt, well, I translate. I, I have the gift of interpretation. My gift is more prestigious than yours. Listen, listen to what Paul says to them. Uh, in chapter 12, and I'll read verses 4 through 11. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Just because your gift is different from mine, it doesn't mean that you are more prestigious or of higher value or better. Hallelujah. Corinthians uh, 12 and 4. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations. So uh, gifts, administrations, now he says operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Gifts, administrations, operations, different, different ones, right? Uh, but the same spirit, the same Lord, the same God. Verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Whatever gift he gives, everyone is supposed to profit from it. Let me say it one more time. No matter what gift you have, when we all come together as the body, it's supposed to profit everyone, be a blessing to everyone. Verse 8, 4 to 1 is given by the Spirit, the word of wisdom, another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. Listen, Paul's by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, but all these worketh 
that one and self-same spirit dividing to every man. Listen to, listen to what Paul says, dividing to every man severally as he will. So God gives out the gifts. He gives the gifts out. Man is not in charge. Thank you, Lord. Man is not in charge of giving out the gifts. I wonder why. <laughs> Number one, the first thing I want to say, if man was in charge of giving out the gifts, some of us wouldn't get anything at all. No. But Paul said, but all these workers, the one and self-same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. So in an effort to unite the church, Paul compares it to a human body. Let me, Paul is saying, let me, let me talk to you about the church. Let's talk about the church. Um, so he's saying, just like the arm, listen to my notes, just as the arm and leg perform separate functions, yet both are vital and equally important. So it is the case with members of the church performing separate but vital functions within the body of Christ. So um, in my notes, it says he capstones this treaty with the statement, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. I'm part of the body, but I'm a member individually. Part of the body, I'm an individual soul, but I'm a part of the body of Christ. So and the body is composed. What is the body composed of? Let's talk about it. Uh, and you may have hit this point earlier on in this series, but the body of Christ uh, is composed of all those who are united to Christ through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The body is composed of spirit-filled believers. Spirit-filled believers. Spirit-filled believers. First Corinthians chapter 12 uh, hmm. chapter 12, verses 12 and 13, listen to these words. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, hallelujah, hallelujah, are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles. Here we go again, because Paul, Paul is dealing with this racial thing, this uh, where the Jews are, are sort of pushing back because now all these Gentiles are getting filled with the Holy Ghost and he is the apostle to the Gentiles. And he's saying, we are one, we are one. For by one spirit, there's no Jewish Holy Ghost and Gentile Holy Ghost. There's only one spirit. There's no black Holy Ghost. There's no spirit for white folk and a spirit for black folks. There's one spirit. Listen, I'm so sick of this division. I don't know what to do. And I'm so glad that it's in the word of God. So nobody can say I made up something. Paul said, for by one spirit, are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews, Gentiles, whether we be bond or free and have been all made to drink into one spirit. So the metaphor of the body, uh, it's referring to one church. Hallelujah. One church. One church. Say it with me. One church. One body. One church. One body. 
And don't forget that it's all under the leadership of Christ. He is the head. Colossians 1.18, and he is the head of the body, meaning Christ. Colossians 1.18, and he is the head of the body. The church was the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Verse 24 of that chapter in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Let's push forward. Ephesians 1 and 23, which is his body. He's talking about the church, which is his body. The church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Ephesians 2 and 15. It's in the word, I'm in the word, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man. Holly, the plan of salvation, part of that plan uh, was to get rid of all of these names and differences and titles and, uh, you know, he's the black one, he's the white one, he's the Jewish one, he's the Greek one. Uh, he said, I just want one body, one body. Say it with me, one body. So when Christ, uh, when the veil was ripped from top to bottom and he abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, to making himself of twain that which was divided now, uh, one new man, so making peace. Why is there so much animosity among the people of God? When Christ died, he is, he is our peace. He died to make us one. He even prayed in the garden before he went to Calvary and said, Lord, make them one. So uh, he gives the illustration of the body. He gives an illustration of the body. He gives an illustration of the body. And um, now here is where I need to talk about the members of the body. I need to talk to you about the members of the body. And there are three aspects of the, of the members, three aspects or truths that can be drawn from the analogy uh, or the comparison between the members of a natural body, the parts of a natural body, to that of the members of the church. All right, let me say it again. I need to briefly talk to you about the truths or certain aspects as it pertains to the analogy of the relationship of the members of a natural body, the arms, the fingers, the eye, the head. Uh, and because Paul gives this analogy, so we need to see how it compares to what it's supposed to be like being a member of the body of Christ. So there are three aspects. That's unity, unity, diversity, and mutuality. These are the three aspects uh, that we need to talk about to help us understand how the analogy of a, a human body compares to that analogy of what the body of Christ should be like. And these three aspects of it I need to briefly discuss with you. Unity, 
Say it with me, unity, diversity, and mutuality. I need to take unity first, right? Unity, diversity, and mutuality. Unity. Let's talk about unity. The body being composed of many members. And Paul said we are many members, but we are one body. Many members, but one body. Likewise is the church. Many members, but we're one body. Many members, but we're one body. So uh, this emphasizes or, or this emphasis is particularly applicable uh, in what we're discussing tonight because he has, um, with the Corinthian congregants, he has a discussion with them concerning spiritual gifts. And he begins by placing all of these gifts under one Lord and spirit. I, I want to call them pneumatic gifts. Pneumatic meaning there's something propelling them, uh, something energizing them. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And it's the spirit of God. Uh, pneumatic, a scientific term uh, I'm using right now. And yes, it, it, uh, anything mechanical like a car needs gas to propel it. A rocket needs rocket fuel to propel it. Uh, so the gifts, the pneumatic gifts need something to propel it, an energy, a power, a source, and that's the Holy Ghost. So he begins by placing all of the gifts under one Lord mm -hmm, and one Spirit. First Corinthians 12. Come on and follow me. Let's go in the word. I'm not going to bite you. Let's go in the word. First Corinthians 12, three through five. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. Mm -hmm. Remember these words that are found uh, in the 20. Fifth chapter, I'm sorry, the 25th verse of the 12th chapter, uh, because Paul is, he's really ministering to them and he's being a pastor to them because now they're divided according to gifts. And he says, you all have the same spirit, the same Christ that gave her, her gift gave him his gift. But so Paul, he just says it plain in verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Don't treat the prophet better than you treat uh, the person who who has the gift of tongues. Don't 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 treat people according to their gifts. We all have been given these gifts by the same Lord. Same Spirit is in operation, uh, and this division uh, was caused by a disorderly display of gifts. I'm going to say it again. By a disorderly display of gifts. If you're using your gift to be seen, if you're using that gift to, to make money off of people or to take advantage of people, right? Uh, you, you claim to have the gift of prophecy, but you haven't told the truth yet. Hallelujah. You're using that gift to take advantage of people. God's going to deal with you. 
Uh, but it was caused. And this is why, listen, this is why in the beginning, I read it earlier. He said, no man can call Jesus Christ. I'm going to read it again. I want to read it again because I need to explain something to you. Um, something that was going on in the congregation. And this is what division can create. Uh, he says in verse 3 of chapter 12, 1 Corinthians, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. I'm going to stop there and explain something historically that's recorded in history books um, and explain what is thought was going on in this congregation. It was in shambles. They were fighting over gifts. Uh, they were prioritizing, uh, putting prestige on certain gifts uh, and pushing people away who had gifts that were not thought to be prestigious enough. And there was division in the body and it was disorderly. It created havoc in their worship. So now, uh, because they're using their gifts to be seen or to compare or uh, to fight against one another or uh, to be competitive against one another. There are other words that I can use. The enemy had just walked on in and there was division and divisiveness in the midst of their worship. And instead of people exercising their gifts to glorify God because... Uh, and he has to set order in worship now. When one prophesies or one speaks in tongues, let the other interpret. Not, don't do it all at the same time, but let someone sit and pray. And if someone has the interpretation, you know how it goes. And what was happening was the enemy was coming up in there speaking in tongues too. Speaking in tongues, hubba, bubba, bubba. And, and instead of discerning, you know, they were too busy comparing and competing. And the enemy came in there, uh, and I don't know if it was a brother or sister, but they're speaking in tongues. And what he was saying openly and whatever language he was speaking was that Jesus is accursed. And Paul said, nobody can say that and be filled with the Holy Ghost. No man and no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Yes, so I give you to understand no man speaking by the Spirit of God. If you have the Holy Ghost, you're not going to say Jesus is a curse. So another spirit, so I'm just going to say it as a pastor, when we compete against one another, when there is division between us, and when we have the audacity to use spirituality and spiritual gifts that God gave us, Hallelujah. To fight one another, the enemy will just walk on in and sit down. And because no one is discerning, no one is doing what they're supposed to do in the midst of worship, the wall of protection is down and the enemy is speaking his stuff too. And because nobody, hallelujah, is in tune, everybody's in their flesh. You can't work a spiritual gift in your flesh. The enemy is in there saying whatever he wants to say. So Paul has to bring order, order in the body. Hallelujah. Because Christ, is Christ divided? No. So this is where Paul is. So he's dealing with unity. We should have unity, no disorder, because if there's no unity, our worship will be disorderly. Our division, hallelujah, has created a disorderly manifestation. Hallelujah. 
the other spirits among us. And now they're, they're not just lurking, but they're speaking boldly out there because the, the body or the congregation or the people who are supposed to be spiritual have become divided. Hallelujah. So it was caused by a disorderly display of gifts. First Corinthians 14 and 33. I feel like I already feel like a, a part five now. Uh, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches, as in all church. So Paul said shouldn't be, this shouldn't be going on in anybody's church, not if they're spirit filled. Hallelujah. Not if the Holy Ghost is a body, not if Christ is the head. He said, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all all churches of the saints. Paul say now the saints ought to know better. If you're a child of God, if we're the people of God, we ought to know better. Take your gift and use it to glorify God. And whatever he has given you, us, it is to bless the entire body. Don't use it to compete. Don't use it to compare. Don't use it as a segue into what is prestigious, what is more important. Christ gave us gifts as he saw fit. He put us in the body as he saw fit. Wear it proud. Use it proud. Hallelujah. To glorify your God and to be a blessing to the whole body of Christ. That's unity. Unity, we said, diversity and mutuality. Let's move over to diversity. Um, let's go over to diversity. And for here, I want to use 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. Uh, what is so equally significant with the teaching that all members of the body are in unity? What gives it its significance is the fact that the body is composed of diverse members. And this is something that I really need to say. And I know some of you may have heard it before. So what? I'm going to say it again. Hallelujah. What gives this teaching so much significance is that we're all in one body, but the body is composed of diverse members, just like a physical body. Paul is using the analogy of a physical body, just like a physical body is not composed of one member. Neither is the Lord's body. Neither could you imagine? Uh, when I was a little boy, uh, there was a movie, uh, a horror film that came out called The Hand. I forget the the actor's name. I want to say it was was Peter Lawford, but it uh, it wasn't him. It was The Hand. It's just one part of the body crawling around. That's that's a monster. That's not a body. That's that's an eye, right? It's just a just one eye. Uh, I'm so glad that we are diverse. First uh, Corinthians 12:14. For the body is not one member, but many. First mm -hmm. Corinthians uh, 12 and 17 through 20. So the members have to be different. We we now. Why is it that the church is the only place? Well, maybe I'm being a little rough. But it shouldn't be happening in the church. Let me put it that way. You, you come into the church and people use differences uh, to create cliques and little clubs. 
in the church and it and it's really taking away from the purpose of the church um he says here in verse 17 chapter 12 of 1 corinthians if the whole body were an eye then where were the hearing if the whole were hearing where were the smelling mm-hmm but now have God set the members, every one of them in the body as it has pleased him. If you're the eye, God put you there. If you're the lips, God put you there. If you're a finger, God put you there. And if they were all one member, where were the body? And Paul is saying it wouldn't make sense if, if the whole body was an ear, right? Where's the body? The, and the, all you see is the ear laying on the floor. That That's... That's not God's plan. That's not a body. And Paul is saying everybody can't be an eye. Everybody can't be an ear. Everybody can't be a foot. Hallelujah. But now are they many members yet but one body? Verse, verse um, um, and I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm feeling this now. But there's something else that I have to bring to your attention tonight. Um as it relates to the diversity of the members within the body of Christ. Uh, and that's three more things um, as it relates to the members, the function, the strength, and honor. Function, strength, and honor. Verse 17 talks about the function of the members. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? So everybody can't be one part there has to be diversity. There has to be diversity. Mm -hmm. Strength, verse 22. Function, strength, and honor. Verse 22 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, nay, much more those members of the body which seem to me more feeble are necessary. So what you think may, it may not be necessary, Paul is saying it's necessary. If you take away any part, you, you'll weaken it. You'll weaken it. Listen, if I, if I took an axe and chopped my foot off, my whole body is going to feel the pain and it will weaken it. I can even get infection because something has been severed from my natural body. Mm -hmm. So then it is it's a similar variation among the members of the body of Christ. And yet Paul is saying every part is necessary. So we need to stop making people feel like they're not important or what they do is not necessary. Everyone is necessary. No matter what part you play in the body of Christ, you are necessary. I'm going to look you in the face and say it. Don't let anyone make you feel like you're not necessary. You are necessary because Christ has put you where he wants you to be. So um, I want to leave you with something else to chew on as it relates to the diversity of the body of Christ. Uh -huh. diversity, calls, diversity calls for a sober evaluation. Yeah, and perhaps... Those of you who have connected with me on tonight, uh, help me and join me in this a sober evaluation and faithful exercising of your own gifts to the operation of the body. Make, make a conscious evaluation. Am I doing my part? Uh, am I using what God has put in 
Uh, have I allowed someone to shut me down and make me feel like what the Lord has put in me is not good enough? If Listen, if God gave it to you, it's good enough. Hallelujah, because I read it to you earlier. He has put us where he wants us to be. He has put us where he wants us to be. Romans. Let's go to Romans uh, 12, 3 through 8. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So don't get the big head because you have what you have and you do what you do. He says you ought to think soberly, a conscious, a sober evaluation, your motivation behind what you do. Who are you doing it to please, man or God? For as we have many members in one body and all members don't have the same office, we're not going to have the same office. We're not going to have the same office. Could you imagine, and, and, and those of you here in, in GRTDC, you've heard me use this analogy before. What if everybody was an usher? If the whole church was on the usher board, you wouldn't be able to get in the church. So as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether it's prophecy. He says, then let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith or ministry. Let us wait on our ministry or he that teacheth on teaching or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. So, um, so now let's look at 1 Corinthians 12 and 18. 1 Corinthians 12 and 18 says, But now have God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it has pleased him. So all of this now, and like what I've read to you, it, it should come along with the recognition um, of the absolute necessity of the contribution of the other members. In other words, what they contribute, what they contribute over there, what you contribute, what I contribute, it is all necessary. It is all important. There's not one more important than the other. First Corinthians 12 and 21, 1 Corinthians 12 and 21 says, And the eye can't say unto the hand, I have no need of you. The eye can't say to the hand, get out of here. I don't need you. Are you kidding me? Nor can the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. And for some reason, we have people in the church that treat others that way. Uh, they don't have the same gift that you have. Uh, and and my father set it up like that because he didn't want a one-limb body. He didn't want a, a one-armed body. He wanted a body with two arms. So somebody has to be the right arm and somebody has to be in the left arm. He didn't want a body with no eyes. So we have no right to tell people what you do or what you have is not good enough. Christ gives the gifts. And he gives it to us. Hallelujah. He unifies us. He made us 
diverse. Hallelujah. We all have different gifts. We all have different gifts. Now, you might run into somebody in your journey that may have the same gift that you have. Hallelujah. Yes, you, you might. You're all part of that. You're all part of that part of the body. Uh, but no one has a right to dismiss anyone and say, well, uh, because I'm a prophet and you just have the gift of tongues, I'm more important than you are. Uh, that's not how Christ thinks. That's not how Christ thinks. I think we need to get back to having the mind of Christ. And if we utilize the mind of Christ, hallelujah, the body would be able to function in perpetual manner. Yeah, because the body of Christ should be ever growing, ever strengthening, ever influencing. That's his body. Unity, diversity. I'm talking about the members of this body. We're unified, fitly joined together. We are diverse. There are many of us, but this one body. And the third part is mutuality, mutuality, mutuality. I'm going to take you back to Romans 12 and 5. But in, So let's talk about mutuality because in order for the human body, in order for the human body to operate properly, there has to be two things. There has to be cooperation and dependence. Glory to God. In order for the human body to operate properly, there has to be two elements, cooperation and dependence of the members upon one another. So uh, the body of Christ also demands mutuality. There has to be cooperation, right? Um, Anyone that's, that that's has science, in order for my right hand to move, the left part of my brain has to be uh, in cooperation with my limb. On anything on my right hand, the left side of my brain has to be in cooperation or vice versa. And anything in, on my left side, the right part of my brain, they have to cooperate with one another and depend upon one another, right? My body depends on my feet to keep balance, uh, and believe it or not, uh, if my ears are not intact, uh, if that little canal that you can't even see in there uh, is not right, or if there's fluid in there, if something that's working in there, right, uh, my world will go spinning around. I'll lose my balance. So all of these parts, even the parts of the body that you can't even see, are important. And this is what Paul is saying, mutuality now. We said unity, diversity, mutuality. There has to be cooperation and dependence of its members one upon another. So the body of Christ also demands that we're going to claim to be in the body, diversity, unity, and mutuality. Hallelujah. Each member is not only related to Christ, who is the head, but also we are related to one another. We're not just related to Christ. He is the head. But now because we're one body, there is a relation here. Members of another. Romans 12 and 5. So we being many are one body in Christ. And everyone members one of another. That's a nice way of saying we're family now. We need to start treating each other like we're family and lean on one another Ephesians 4 and 
25 says it like this, wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So there, there should be some respect, some integrity, uh, some trust in how we converse or even relate with one another uh, because there should be mutuality there. There should be mutuality there. First Corinthians 12, um, 21 through 25, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head to the feet, I don't need you. Much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble or necessary. And those members of the body that we think to be less honorable, right? Like the pinky. You don't think the pinky is honorable uh, or the big toe is not honorable, right? Uh, if I cut your big toe off, it'll throw your equilibrium off. You, you'll have to learn how to walk all over again. And I'm going to tell you something. If I took your pinky off, you might have to learn how to walk all over again, too. Uh, your, your little toe, not your pinky, your little toe. If you took that off, um, if I removed your thumb if, or if I removed the last finger, you're going to have trouble. Uh, you're going to have to learn how to do things all over again. It's, it's going to be... A problem. So uh, he's implying a dependence on one another. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable upon those we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. Those parts you can't even see. There's, listen, there are parts to the human body you, don't, you really don't want to look at. It don't look good. There are parts that you don't know about, right? If the, if the doctor opened you up and showed you certain parts of your body, you, you'd say, close me back up. I don't want to see that no more. Paul is saying even those parts that are, seem uncomely are necessary. God put them there. God put them there. For our comely parts have no need, but God have tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. So much so that if you hurt, I'm hurting. Hallelujah. Doesn't the Bible say, let them that uh, rejoice with them that rejoice, uh, mourn with those that mourn. Uh, if you're hurting, I should be hurting. This is how connected we should be having the same care one for another. So the scriptures that I just read, it implies uh, a dependence upon one another and a cooperative functioning of the body. There should be cooperation as we move. We're moving together, praying together for one another. We're helping one another. We're one body. So uh, listen, there's a demand here. I have in my notes for the members then to give care one for another. So much care until we experience each other's life. That's a powerful statement. We should have so much care for one another that we're actually experiencing one another's life. Listen, we should be so close as a body of Christ. Something happens to your family. Somebody in your family gets hurt. I feel like it's one of my children. Hallelujah. That's been hurt. Something happens with you, my sis, I feel like it was done to me because I understand now that we're one body. Romans 12 and 15, 
Romans, the 12th chapter in the 15th verse. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. So here uh, we dealt with uh, the fact that there should be unity, diversity, and mutuality. And we're dealing with the fact that the body of Christ is of such, and, and let me find it so I don't say it wrong. Yes, members of the body talking about uh, the unity, the diversity, and the mutuality now. Uh, and understanding also that the head of the body is Christ. The head of the body, the head of the body, the head of the body, the head of the body. I'm saying over and over again, so you get it. The head of the body is Christ, Colossians 1.18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So in Paul's declaration that, that he's making to the Colossian congregation, he makes it clear that Jesus is the head. Jesus is the boss. He's the head of the church. Uh, and he completing the illustration of the church being comparable to a body. He talks about the legs, the arms. He talks about all of these things, but you can't have a full, complete body without the head. So he makes it known if you're going to speak about Christ, uh, it's, to, it's to speak about his body. And to speak of Christ's body is to speak of Christ. So, And there are several implied truths now. Uh, as it relates, and let's talk about this as it relates to the entire body, the entire body, not not just us, but him being the head of us. So, and I want to use the rest of this, let's use the rest of this lesson uh, to focus on identifying these truths that I need to share with you. And I'm sure that many of you have heard this before. Uh, if not all of you have heard these things uh, then let's let's get into it, and I'll share it with you tonight. Um, there are four truths that I want to share with you before I close out this lesson. Uh, let's talk about the church as it relates to the body of Christ. Uh, the body of Christ has a head and a body, and there are four truths that I want to share with you. Number one, the first thing that I want to share with you is uh, Christ's head cannot be separate from his body. You cannot separate the head. You cannot separate Christ's head from his body. Uh, uh, head disconnected from the body is a dead body. A decapitated head, the result will be a dead body. You can't say that I... I'm in the body of Christ, and Christ is not your head. So uh, when people start talking as though they have a relationship with Christ uh, without having a relationship with the body, mm, listen to what I'm saying. They'll say, I, I have a relationship with Christ, but they can't, they can't fellowship or worship uh, or, or come together with his body. You are decapitating Christ. I'm coming for you tonight. They are decapitating Christ from his body. Um, and this is why what I'm talking about, 
uh, where people have developed cliques and little cults. Uh, ain't nobody saved but me. When you do that, you're separating the body from the head because Christ is the head. That's like that's like telling Jesus, you, you can save us. We can be saved, but don't save nobody across the street. Uh, and, and if they and anybody across the street gets the Holy Ghost to talk about they're saved, they're not in this house. They're not in this house. They're going to hell. And I've run into people like that. You better stop that nonsense. You cannot separate the head from the body. And this is why people are so disgusted and tired uh, and just just messed up behind what they call organized religion for various reasons, right? Uh, I'm, I'm coming for you. Consequently, people want to be Christian, but they don't want to be religious. And I know that's another debate and another, uh, that's another lesson. People say, I, want, I don't want to be religious, uh, but the Bible talks about good religion. It talks about good religion. That's another lesson, but it talks about good religion, structure, order, uh, teaching and preaching the right and true doctrine of Christ. Good religion, uh, but people are disgusted with it because people in their flesh have messed it up, right? They're disgusted with organizations for various reasons. Consequently, people want to be Christian, not religious, right? They just want to just, just let me stay at home. I don't want to go to nobody's church, right? I don't want to be a part of nobody's church. Just let me stay home and serve God. And there are reasons why people do that. There are reasons why people begin to do that. Uh, but the very illustration the Holy Spirit uses to describe the relationship of Christ to his body proves, listen to my notes, proves this ideology is wrong and degrading to Christ himself. That's why the Bible says, forsake not the assembly of yourselves. But the reason why people stay away is because they're tired of mess. They're tired of cliques. They're tired of little cultish thing. There are other brothers and sisters part of the body. And we are, and we are determined. There are pastors that won't even let their own saints uh, fellowship with other spirit-filled believers. What is that? What kind of spirit is that? My God. After all, listen. Listen to my notes. To speak of Christ is to speak of his body, right? And to speak of his body is to speak of Christ. Not only is it degrading when we conduct ourselves like that, uh, it is degrading to Christ's own person when anyone speaks poorly of his church and cheapens his blood. When, you know, uh, people get so disgusted with it and they start running off with the mouth of the church ain't that. You have people that are in church that haven't left the church. They haven't left the church and they still talk trash about the church. The church ain't this, the church ain't that, the church ain't this. You are the church, so you, you have to be careful of what you say out of your mouth. Take heed, Acts 20 and 28. Take heed, therefore. Unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. So the shepherd of the church, the shepherd of the body is Christ, and he purchased it with his own blood. He did not purchase it for us to be divided 
for there to be dissension and animosity between us. He didn't, he didn't, uh, we need to start behaving. We need to start acting like we're one. We need to stop this nonsense uh, to claim a union with Christ. Listen to my notes. To claim a union with Christ apart from his organized body, the church is to unwittingly claim that Christ wasted his blood on the cross because he died for, for a people. Lord, he prayed before he went to the cross, Lord, make them one. Don't get mad at me. I'm in the book. I'm in the book and we need to, if we're, if we're going to say we're the body of Christ, then we need to stop cutting fingers and toes off. We need to stop shoving people to the side and saying, I'm better than you. You're not good enough. The devil is a liar. He has put us where he wants us and we need to come together as a body and be that body of Christ that he died for. Hallelujah. Listen. Listen to my notes. It's impossible and even true that many, okay, it is possible and even true that many churches have separated themselves from Christ being their head by teaching and practicing things he did not authorize in Scripture. The church is teaching stuff that's not even in the Bible. The church is putting yokes on people and it's not even scriptural. Uh, these churches have departed from the pattern of, his, of Christ being the head of the church, where man has said to the Lord, you get out to church and let me run the church. It's not your church. It's not your body. It's not your body. Remember, I told you, if you take Christ away from being the head of the church, if Christ is no longer the head of the, that congregation that you belong to, it's dead. Hallelujah. I don't care what the name of your church is. If you take Christ away from those body of saints, that church is a dead church. Oh, yes, it is. I don't care how much they hucka-bucka-bucka. If you take Christ away from that, that church is dead. If we take Christ away from what we're doing, we're no longer following him. We're no longer cooperating with him. Then we have died. We have become dead. We have become dead. Now, I know uh, people are flawed. We were still in our flesh, and I know, um, but there, there would not be so many different reformations and organizations if Christ was really the head, you know, and I know there, there are different parts of history. People leave for different reasons, either uh, what they're connected to has died because Christ is no longer the head uh, and they, they want it to come back to the body, so to speak. Uh, but for whatever reason, we have, to, we have to look at ourselves. We have to evaluate ourselves and see if we're really part of the body of Christ. Is Christ the head? Is Christ the head? So, what about these churches that have departed from, from Christ, that have, have maybe even changed doctrinally and Christ is no longer the head? Uh, listen to my notes. That does not mean that organized religion is altogether flawed. It simply means that particular church is no longer connected to the body of Christ. Keep looking. Because you want to make it in. Keep looking. I'm not, listen, I'm not telling nobody to leave their church. But the truth is, if where you're worshiping at, right, 
it where you're worshiping at is no longer being led by the spirit of Christ. You are a part of something that has died. And I, I dare say, listen, because I'm a pastor, anytime the moment I move away from Christ's leadership, the moment I start preaching something other than the gospel of Jesus Christ, I give you permission. I'll I come and ask you for a letter. Don't follow me. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. We got too many folks lost, too many folks confused because the head has been separated from the body. Hallelujah. Christ is no longer leading. They put Jesus out. The second part about the body of Christ is Christ, Jesus Christ, doesn't have multiple bodies. You hear me what I say? Just like a body with no head is dead, a head with more than one body is a monster. That's, that's not the body. Christ does not have multiple bodies. Ephesians 4 and 4, there is one body. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. So listen, there, just like there's only one human body for every human head. How many heads do you see looking at you right now? Only one head. And this head is on one body. Likewise, there's only one spiritual body for the one spiritual head. And that is Christ. Listen to my notes. Paul says as much when he definitely states there is one body, one spirit, just as you are called and one hope of your calling. So I'd like you to consider this. Consider this tonight. There is only one church, just like there was only one church in the first century. There was only one church. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to mess with you right now. There was only one church in the first century. Denominations did not come until much later. If all denominations, if all denominations are in Christ's body, then Christ has multiple bodies. I'm just going to leave that with you. There's one head, one body. And if you have all of these different denominations, different denominations, and each one of these denominations are saying, we're the body of Christ, we're the body of Christ, we're the body of Christ, we're the body, and they're saying it there, and, and in their mind, we're not part of that body, right? If all of these denominations are in Christ, then they're saying that Christ has multiple bodies. And furthermore, it means that Christ's body has been divided. And Paul asked, is Christ divided? Is Christ divided? Is Christ divided? Put that in the put that in the comment section. Put that in the comment section. Is Christ divided? Then answer the question after you put it in there. No. Christ is not divided. Hmm. This does not fit the illustration then that Paul is, is giving us, the revelation that he's expressing to us. It doesn't coincide with Paul's rhetorical question elsewhere. And and Paul posed the question first. Is Christ divided? Is Christ divided? Is there division? Is there more than one body? He's talking to the Corinthian church on that occasion because, you know, some are saying I'm with Paul, some with Apollos, you know, and they were saying, well, if, if Apollos didn't baptize you, then you ain't really that you ain't got the one. You know how people do. 
uh, Christ is not divided. Listen, in Colossians 1 and 13, it says, who have delivered us from the power of darkness and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. He has delivered us from the kingdom, from the power of darkness and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. There's only one kingdom. There's only one body. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's only one head. There's only one body. There's only one kingdom. Hallelujah. So somewhere, somebody got it wrong. And like my dear friend, uh, Bishop John T. Leslie says, and he even wrote the book. You, you all need to get that book. Everybody can't be right. The third thing about the body of Christ is that Christ and the body wear the same name. <laughs> My Lord. Christ and the body wear the same name. So we said, as it relates to the body of Christ, also one, the head can't be separated from the body. Two, Christ doesn't have multiple bodies. Now here's the third one. Christ and the body wear the same name. Yeah, so... Um, here, some of you might get upset with me here, but I, I have to go here uh, because it has become popular for modern churches today to give themselves a new generic name where you don't even know if it's a church. It could be a church. When you look at the sign, it could be a club. You don't even know if it's a house of God. It's, it, right? They're making them now. They don't want it to look like a church. Uh, when you look at the name, it don't even sound like a church. It's a generic name. Um, no one can identify just by looking at the house. What is it? Uh, what do y'all believe? What do y'all teach? Right? Um, these, these, these names that people, Elevation Church. What is that? Uh, Elevation Church. So what is that? A church full of elevators? Uh, it's it's so generic. The name of Jesus or Christ is nowhere. You don't mention it anywhere, uh, and and you don't know. You don't get a, a sense of what they believe or what they teach. And some of you might think, well, that's that's nothing, Bishop. A name is nothing. Uh, but the Church of Christ is not afraid to bear His name. The children of Christ. Listen, if we deny Him, He'll deny us before His Father. And so the true church is not ashamed to wear his name, a name that identifies us, uh, right? Identifies us with who we are connected to, who we are in Christ. We are in Christ. So the name should identify with Christ. We're not ashamed of his name. I'm not ashamed of his name. Hallelujah. Put that in the comment section. I'm not ashamed of his name. Hmm. And there are those of you who might argue, and I understand, and you have a right to, to your opinion. You may argue, uh, well, the name of the church really doesn't matter. Um, okay, so if the name of the church doesn't matter, why not say on the outside of your church, Church of Satan? If it doesn't matter, put that up, put that over, over the church. So clearly the name of the church does matter. 
the name of the church does matter. Don't be ashamed of his name. Christ uh, and the body wear the same name. People should have a sense of knowing, oh yeah, uh, th- these are Jesus only folk. These are, they, they can, they can feel. I've had, I've had people come in and say, this feels like a church. You want it, you don't only want it just to look like a church. People will know that's a church, but when they come inside, it feels like a church. Hashama, the spirit of the Lord is there. And people know that the disciples of Christ are in the house. The body of Christ has come together. Hallelujah. So uh, the name of the church says a lot about the church. Those of you who are starting ministries and uh, you say the Lord has called you to preach, don't be so fancy until you leave the name out. And people don't know. They They have no sense of what you're preaching or what you believe. What better name? Uh, He says, uh, Paul says in Romans 16 and 16, he says, uh, salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. The churches of Christ salute you. The churches of Christ salute you. The fourth thing, after knowing that Christ and the body wear the same name, Christ is the head of the body, meaning he has all authority and we have exhausted this one um t- and but i just want to read a scripture for you romans 28 and 18 matthew i'm sorry 28 and 18 and jesus came and spake unto them saying all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth this is jesus making that announcement he made the announcement i have authority i have all of the authority is given to me in heaven and in earth so it's it's an important it is an important concept as it pertains to the doctrine of the church the teachings of the church christ is all in all uh listen to my notes the church has no right whatsoever to teach something that christ did not teach the church has no right to change his word or to change, hallelujah, to change anything that Christ has taught. The church has no right to do that. The church has no right whatsoever to teach or preach something that neither Christ nor the apostles taught and preached. Any church that deviates from that, you are deviating from the truth. Hallelujah. So you have, to, you have to stand up. If, if we're going to be the church, we have to stand up. If we're the body of Christ, then we have to speak like Christ spoke. We can't change any of his teachings. We can't deviate from anything. The body of Christ, listen, let's go a little further. The body of Christ is a common New Testament metaphor for the church. All those who are truly saved. All of those who are truly saved. Now, some folks may not like this, uh, but if you're not saved, you're not in the body of Christ. Romans 12 and 5. So we being many, one are one in body in Christ and every one members one of another, one body, right? Uh, one body, one body. 1 Corinthians 10, 17. For we being many are one bread and and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. 
Mm-hmm. That's Ephesians 10 and 17. Romans, Corinthians, I'm sorry, 10 and 17. 1 Corinthians now 12 and 27. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Hallelujah. We are the body of Christ. It's all in the word of God. Hebrews 13, 13. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp bearing his reproach. Hallelujah. So if we're the body, we're going to experience some of the things that Christ experienced. The church is clearly equated with the body of Christ. Clearly in the word of God with the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Going through some trials and tribulations and sufferings, but victory always. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. This is his body. He is the savior of the body. Hallelujah. Colossians 1 and 24. I'm getting ready to close. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh. I did this, he says, for the body's sake, which is the church. For the body's sake, which is the church. For the body's sake, which is, hallelujah, the church. Listen to my notes. When Jesus entered into the world, he took on a physical body that was prepared for him. We find that in Hebrews 10 and 5. Hallelujah. Wherefore, then he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offering, thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared for me. So through his physical body, Jesus demonstrated the love of God clearly, tangibly, and boldly. And just like Christ did it, the body of Christ, the church, Hallelujah. The church should do the same thing. We should love clearly, tangibly, and boldly. Hallelujah. Clearly, tangibly, and boldly. So we're called the body of Christ. We are called the body of Christ. Why? Paul says in Ephesians um, chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto edifying of itself in love. So, uh, we're joined in Christ in salvation. It's the Holy Spirit. Uh, salvation has brought us into the body. Uh, and this is why we're called his body. And we're following Christ as our head. Now, a lot of this is overlapping. Uh, I'm still dealing with the body of Christ. And we can spend a few weeks just talking about the body of Christ, the body of Christ, the body of Christ. Ephesians 1, 22, 23, he put everything under his feet. Hallelujah. And he gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. Hallelujah. Because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we are the body of Christ. Romans 8 and 9, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. 
if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you're not in the body. You might be a member of that particular local church, but if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you're not in the body. And listen, when Jesus comes, he's coming to receive those who are part of his body. Hatamaye. Glory. So when you stand before God, he's not going to ask you who your pastor was. He's coming back to receive you unto himself. If you're not in the body, if you don't have his Holy Spirit, if you don't have his Holy Spirit, hallelujah, you're not in the body. And remember, the body has a diversity of gifts. The members of that body share a common bond with other Christians, regardless of their race regardless of what street you live on, regardless of what kind of ministry you have, there should be no division in the body. And we should have equal concern or love for each other. 1 Corinthians 12, 25, that there should be no schism in the body and the members should have the same care one for the other. And Hallelujah, we are all, we are all one. We should love one another, care for one another, pray for one another, strengthen one another, encourage one another. We all have an inheritance. Hallelujah, yes, because we're in the body, we all have an inheritance. If we're his children, then heirs, if heirs of God, uh-huh, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And uh, because we're all in the body of Christ, we have all uh, been given the gift of his righteousness. And I want to close on this one. Hallelujah. My lights have already gone out, uh, but I'm going to close on this one. The members of the body of Christ receive the gift of Christ righteousness. And, and Paul writes to the Roman congregation in chapter 5, verse 17, he says these words, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. We are one with him. It's all in him. We're one with him, and he is in us. We are his body. Hallelujah. And I'm so glad to be connected to him. Because I'm connected with him, I have life. I have eternal life. Because I'm connected with him, I have healing and deliverance and strength. Because I'm connected with him, I have an inheritance. I have certain promises that were made to me because I'm connected to him, because I'm in the body. Hallelujah. I have access to him. Glory, glory, glory. Because I am connected with him, one day I'll see him face to face. Do you want to see him? Stay in the body. Hallelujah. Do you want to see Jesus? Stay connected to the body. Do you want to make it into glory? Stay connected to the body. Don't stray from the body. Don't sever yourself from the body of Christ. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. Stay away from dead things. Hallelujah. I heard that. I just heard that in my spirit. I just heard that in my spirit. Stay away from dead things. Anything that does not preach the truth, anything that speaks contrary to the love of Christ, the word of God, the gospel, anything that speaks against the Holy Ghost abiding in you, anything that speaks against the name of Jesus is dead. Stay away from dead things. Hallelujah. Stay away. Put that in the comment section. Hashtag stay away from dead things. The body of Christ is alive and well. The body of Christ is alive and well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to pray for you tonight. I feel the Holy Ghost in this office and I feel like running around this desk. But I want to pray a special prayer. We have been talking about the church. Let's talk about the church and hallelujah. The fact that the Lord has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. He has saved us. We are connected to him. One day he's coming back to receive us unto himself. I want to pray for those of you who may not know him in the pardon of your sins. You may not have given your life to him. You may not have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. I want to pray a special prayer for you. And I want to hear from you. So send me an email, admin at grtdc.org. And I'll, and I'll reach back out to you. Uh, do you have the Holy Ghost? Do you want to be baptized in Jesus' name? Anything you don't understand about salvation, send something to me so I can reach out to you and share with you. I want the Lord to bless you. Yes, I do. And those of you who have a special need of prayer, special request, send that to me. Won't you send that to me and I'll get right back to you. Uh, but tonight I want to pray a special prayer. Uh, so put your name in the comment section if you want me to pray for you. Uh, put your name in there. You want me to connect, uh, even tag them. Let them know that Bishop Fields is getting ready uh, to pray for you. I want to pray for them, and I'm developing an electronic uh, prayer list. I want to give you time to put their names in, and I see I see them uh, scrolling, and I, as I see the names scrolling, uh, I want to believe God with you that he will touch, that he will heal, that he will save. Father, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I pray for those who are connecting with us tonight. Some are sick in their bodies. Some, hallelujah, need salvation. Some need deliverance. Their names are, are appearing in my screen. I, I pray for them, Lord, that you would touch that you would heal whatever they need, that you would do it for them. Hallelujah. We want to be ready when you come. We want to make sure that you're that we are a part of your body, connected. Hallelujah. Living because of you. You are the head. Hallelujah. You're coming back for your people. Hallelujah. I pray for every person, oh God, who has connected with us, everybody on this prayer list. Do it for them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. Now, if you want to make a donation to this ministry, want to give an offering or pay your tithes even, uh, the technician will put it on the screen for us. 
and uh, we'll give you time to make those donations to pay your tithing and offerings. Those of you who are in New York, uh, Refuge Temple Annex in the New York area, the Bronx, you may use Givelify uh, and plant your seed, won't you? This is, this is good ground. This is good ground. Now, the Lord bless you. Uh, I've held you long enough. The word of God gets good to me and I'll be here another two, three hours just, just talking about his word. Join us next week. If the Lord says so, we'll be back next week. Let's see what the Lord gives us uh, to expound on, to teach on. But until then, as we always say, mm -hmm, be careful, be careful, and be holy. Shalom, shalom.